Diocese of Churches for the Sake of Others is pleased to present the C4SO podcast, a place to celebrate the voices and values of C4SO. C4SO is a national diocese of the Anglican Church in North America, led by Bishop Todd Hunter. You can learn more about us at c4so.org. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the C4SO podcast. Once again, I'm your host, Ben Sternke, and I'm here with Bishop Todd Hunter. Todd, how are you today? Hey, Ben. It's been hot and muggy here. I know I shouldn't be whining, but it's been hot and muggy here. Hot and muggy. The Nashville area. So it feels good to cool Mm. off, come in a cool room and have some fun with you and our guest. Yes, yes. And our guest today, uh, just to um, say that, uh, we'll we'll have uh, Jay, you can introduce yourself a little bit later, but our guest today is uh, Jay Greener, who's the Rector of Church of the Redeemer in Highwood, Illinois. Um, Hi, Jay. It's great to have you with us. Hey, Ben. Thanks. And Bishop Todd, good to to hear you as well. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for being with us. Mm Uh, Well, friends, today we're continuing our series on the gifts of Anglicanism for the body of Christ. Over the past few decades, a lot of us have found ourselves on the Canterbury Trail, um, which, um, in my experience, has meant uh, feeling drawn by the Spirit to the treasures of the great tradition of the Church, but at the same time wanting to steward these riches within a contextual and kingdom-centric mission without getting mired in a stiff traditionalism that would hamper Spirit-empowered mission. And so this podcast uh, series is featuring eight of these treasures that we've received from the Anglican tradition and how they can effectively engage the world around us. Last time we talked about the centrality of the Eucharist with Sean McCain, and today we're talking about a topic that's related to the centrality of the Eucharist, um, the formative power of liturgy. And our guest, as I mentioned earlier, is the Reverend Jay Greener, who is the rector of Church of the Redeemer in Highwood, Illinois, which is Chicagoland. Mm Um, Jay, it's great to have you with us. Tell us a little bit more about yourself um, so our listeners can get to know you. Yeah, it's good to be with you guys. And uh, when you get to be my age, it's always the question of which story you tell. Yes. Um, so yeah. I think what I, what I will say is I've, I've been privileged to be the rector here at Redeemer for 15 years. Uh, before mm-hmm. that, I served uh, several different churches in Colorado. I was also the communications director for Anglican Mission. And before that, I was a, uh, a worship leader and music pastor for quite a number of years. And I did two decades in uh, Christian broadcasting right out of college. So that's kind of a flyover real, yeah. real quick. Yeah, but the, the, yeah. <clears throat> a, lot of, uh, a lot of different stuff. But I'm, I'm, uh, I'm married 40 years. Uh, I have uh, three children, four grandchildren. And uh, this month marks 40 years in full-time ministry for me. And I don't know how that happened. Oh. Todd, you, wow. you have mm. reached these kind of things and you're like, how did that happen? But you know, it's better than the alternative. So it's okay. Yeah. We just keep going. <laughs> I remember when I couldn't imagine what it was like to be 40 years old. Yeah. Oh yeah. Much that less having so old. 46 yeah. or 47 years of ministry experience. Just a that's number, crazy. just a number, right? Actually, that's it's much, it's much more than a number. So, and that, and, and that's <laughs> the gift of it. That's the gift of it actually. Yeah. 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 That's great, Jay. Um, Interesting. You're um, you're a music music leader, um, worship pastor mm-hmm. uh, for a while. That's mm-hmm. kind of where, where I cut my ministry teeth mm-hmm. as well. And I think it's part of what drew me to um, the Anglican tradition and specifically the liturgy. I find myself um, that that part of things is very uh, important for me. Um, did you grow up, Jay, in the Anglican uh, tradition? No, no. I'm a good Baptist. Okay. I'm a good Baptist kid. 
Bible, Bible church, okay. very, yeah. uh, very conservative, um, okay. even separatist. Uh, okay. We didn't really fellowship with other Christians either, unless they could align to all of our external requirements, you know, about mo- yeah. movies and, you know, playing cards and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, but I have to say, it was also a, um, a warm and loving community. I mean, I, mm. I spent yeah. Yeah. time learning what, pe- pe- you know, people who were committed to Christ, how they, how they could love me and love others. Um, I was called to full-time ministry on the front pew of that church. Uh, mm-hmm. And I listened to very biblical sermons every week, even though they were, in my view, equivalent to two sermons in terms of length. <laughs> so, um, but that's that's where I kind of started, and then uh, I was slowly exposed to other other things. We moved overseas when I was eight years old, and and uh, we really uh, started seeing other denominations, especially to find an English speaking uh, church. And I attended a a school for a while that had an affiliation with the uh, Church of England. So on mm-hmm. Sunday I was Baptist, but during the week I was in the Anglican choir and doing doing all of that. Okay. And that began to yeah. sort of kind of awaken something in me. At college, yeah. I came under the influence of uh, a man at the time that I think is, has been so influential, although I talk to young people now who don't know his name, and that's Bob Weber. And uh, oh, yeah. he's, he's really the one who coined that term on evangelicals on the Canterbury Trail that you mentioned That's at this right. very beginning. So Bob became very important as a mentor to me and kind of opened up some of those treasures and riches. Uh, Ten years after I got out of school, I went, I went to seminary. I just felt called that God was speaking. And I went to a place that was liturgically based. So it, there was a lot of liturgy, a lot of art, a lot of aesthetic mm-hmm. Um, and just pressed more into that at the time. So um, that's kind of the journey from Baptist to, to where I am, really. Yeah. What was it about um, the Anglican tradition or the liturgical tradition that uh, attracted you? You know, why, why not become a Baptist mm-hmm. minister? That's a good question. And what I would say about it is related partly to my own journey uh, I was called to ministry as a young person, I mean, like eight years old, but I wasn't ordained till I was 40. And I think the reason for that is I was largely in contexts that were personality driven. Mm. And hmm. I didn't, and I mean, I've got personality. I mean, I, if I need to use it, I can use it, but I didn't, <laughs> yeah. it didn't sit well with me. I felt yeah. like there needed to be an authenticity uh, in leadership and ordained leadership that I didn't see. I kind of saw, you know, people put on their platform thing and then they were mm-hmm. something else. The liturgy really uh, took some of that away. I mean, it made, yeah. it, it, it made the worship the centerpiece rather than mm-hmm. the personality. And I think that was one, one of the things that, that drew me in. And in, in the end, I was ordained as an Anglican, not as something before that, because I just couldn't see how I could do that. That's not a, that's not a dig on anybody who, who is in those places. It's just for me, that was important. Yeah. Yeah. Um, our topic, you know, is the, the formative power uh, of liturgy. Um, and what comes to mind for you when you think about that? What is it about liturgy then uh, that is f- formative? Um, you know, I hear, I hear you alluding to it in, some, in your answer to the previous question, obviously, with um, mm-hmm. that part mm-hmm. of... Um, part of the way that liturgy forms us is perhaps to, you know, not, <laughs> uh, helps us not center things around our, per, our own personalities. Right, um, we've right. got, you know, something we're moving to together, but um, what else comes to mind for you? What, what is it about liturgy that is formative for yeah, us? Yeah. Uh, uh, and, and, and by the way, I'm not the expert here, right? So you guys mm-hmm. all, we've all kind of walked in these 
walked in these yeah. places. I, I would start by saying that every, anything we do that's repetitive is formative. You know, whatever that is. Yeah. I mean, we're very ritualized people in our lives. I mean, the way we do mornings before we go to work, the way we, you know, gather the other things. I mean, even, you know, people who are totally secular, are very, they, they have ritual and we're routinized, right? So that's, that's the first thing to say about it. It's not, it's not like, it's not that liturgy is so unique in that it forms us. It's the way in which it forms us. Hmm. And um, I, I've thought about this a lot, but I've also experienced it myself is that um, liturgy that we've received, you know, because this is a, you know, something we've received down through the years, uh, yes. is something that we embody, we enter into. It's not something we just say. And um, that is part of the formative power of it, is that uh, we come back to it time and again, and we get to know it, and it becomes familiar. And I think familiarity breeds respect, and it, and it breeds honor. And uh, it begins to call us into living the patterns that we're actually praying you know, there's that, um, hmm. you know, this is a little theological, but that's the lex orandi, lex credendi sort of yes. uh, dynamic where the law of prayer, the way we pray is the way we believe, but I, I also, it's, it's the way we live. And so liturgy hmm. is actually forming us because it's calling us into a place of living in a specific way as Christians. Um, hmm. it, it, my theology has actually changed over time by entering into the liturgy uh, week by week. And I think the, the, the formative piece of it is, is simply that it, it enters our lives. It enters who, who we are, and it shapes us. And um, that is a lifelong process. I mean, we, you know, the idea of the prayer book is that it's to give, give strength and uh, input and joy and, and uh, assurance to all of our life from the cradle to the grave. Yesterday, I buried my mother. Um, I stood at the graveside, and she's a Baptist, so she didn't, you know, we, she wasn't a liturgical person. But uh, that was a hard moment for me to know what to do and how to step into that with all the grief and everything. Yeah. But I, I turned to the prayer book, and yeah. I we didn't do a liturgical service. I wore a tie. I didn't dress like an Anglican minister, but mm -hmm. I used some of the prayers. I mean, I prayed extemporaneously, but I also used some of the mm -hmm. prayers that the church has given us that has formed me. Uh, as a pastor and a, and a Christian, and people came to me later and they said, you know, those, um, what you said and what you prayed, did you write that? <laughs> mm. I said, no, um, mm. Christians long ago wrote that, but we've been walking yeah. and then they've been shaping us for a long, long time. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry to hear of your loss, by the way. Um, Thanks. I had no idea. Um, and my mind is going in a lot of, uh, directions here. Um, I, I wonder if you could, is there an example that you could point out? Um, I think, you know, a lot of us sort of affirm Lex Orandi, mm -hmm, Lex mm -hmm, Credendi, mm -hmm. but, you know, for you to say that starkly, that my theology has changed because of the way that I prayed, is there an example that you can point to? Mm -hmm. Or is it, is it, I don't know if there's a concrete example of that, that you're willing yeah, to share? Yeah, I was afraid you were going to ask me that. Um, <laughs> I, I think, I think the way I think about the kingdom of God has changed. Mm -hmm. And the way I think about salvation has changed. Mm -hmm. Now that's, that's others speaking into that, people like N.T. Wright and Scott sure. McKnight and so on. But it's yeah. also the prayers that lay out the, the grand vision of yeah. the yeah. kingdom of God that um, I really didn't hear from the pulpit 
um, as a mm. Baptist young person. And that's not a criticism. It's just we didn't think that way. You know, we yeah. thought about our personal salvation and yeah. uh, being saved from f- the fires of, of torment. And, and salvation is important, but I, we're not saved on our own. And that's why I think yeah. actually the liturgy is formative as it's uh, communal. I'm not sure private liturgy forms us that much, to be honest. I mean, it's good to do it. It's good to have that, those times. But I think it's, mm-hmm. it's being together. It's, it's entering in together that, uh, that shapes us. So, yeah, so just that's one thing, just my, uh, yeah. how I thought about salvation. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Ben, on a less kind of a professional or technical level, uh, another thing went through my mind, and my wife Debbie and I have always agreed upon this, that we loved singing the doxology mm-hmm with our church in Costa Mesa. Mm -hmm. Uh, We met in a chapel. And so, you know, the walls were all hard. Every surface in the chapel was hard. And so it was Mm -hmm. very echoey. And so, you know, to hear 150 or 200 people kind of singing in harmony, the doxology, I think that has the potential to correct theology on a more personal, less technical way. Mm-hmm. So like mm-hmm. we started the show with me whining about the humidity. <laughs> yeah. Well, if I find myself saying, you know, praise God from mm-hmm. whom mm-hmm. all blessings flow, or maybe mm-hmm. something even, you know, a thousand times more important, like the loss of Jay's mom. Mm-hmm. There's a, there's, see, we all have non-professional theologies too. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so even something just as simple as singing the doxology or, or yeah. either um, saying or singing, you know, holy, 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 mm-hmm. Lord yeah. God. It, mm. there, there's, I think, a non-professional theological way that mm-hmm. I've experienced mm. the liturgy shapes us as well. Yeah. We, yeah. That's, that's, that's really true. We have children, very young children in our congregation that can sing the Gloria, they can sing the Sanctus, the Holy, Holy, mm they don't really even uh, communicate in other ways that much. I mean, they, but they, and they don't know what it means, but they are already yeah. beginning to enter into the, the patterns of, of worship in yeah. a community. Yeah, yeah so if, uh, you're, if you're wondering about God, if you have anxiety or like me, mm-hmm. you're whining or you're feeling <laughs> depressed about something, and, and I don't mean clinical depression, but mm-hmm. just sort of that low sort mm-hmm. of feeling, and mm-hmm. then you enter into some of these spaces, mm-hmm. it like yeah. corrects our God concept. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Yep. It yeah. does. You're right. Yeah. Even, even the way I, I appreciate the way the liturgy uh, begins most of the time, you know, for most of the church year, it begins, blessed be God, mm-hmm. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, that there's this sense of like, this is the, this is the deepest, truest thing we can say about the world, about reality mm-hmm. is that blessed be God. Um, before we say anything else, um, we, we, uh, we proclaim the blessedness of God. So um, maybe we could turn to this. Like, um, liturgy doesn't form us automatically. Um, you know, it's, it, and you said this before that we can't just say it, there, there must be an embodiment to it. Um, so it doesn't form us automatically. Um, and we all probably know people who, you know, they pray the liturgy every Sunday for their whole lives, but they, they're cruel and mean people, mm-hmm. you know, so it, like it didn't work you know, in, in air quotes uh, for them. Um, so I wonder if you could comment on what, what makes the difference um, between maybe just uh, empty words that people say on Sunday that aren't formative, that don't end up forming them mm-hmm. as, you know, mm-hmm. uh, people of God, and then um, perhaps uh, a way of embodying the liturgy that does become 
formative yeah. uh, for yeah. us in, in all the right ways. What, what's the difference there? Uh, well, uh, you know, we know people that have sat under great preaching their whole lives who are cruel and mean, right? <laughs> but we, but we too, don't, yeah. but we don't call into question the preaching of the gospel. So that's true. That's I, I, um, I would say that it, it's about, there are a couple of things. One is it's about intentionality. It's about mm-hmm. the intention of the worshiper, but also the intention of the leader. Okay. To uh, and how are you leading the worship? Are you is there mm. space for the spirit to move mm. and to breathe and to and to and to make it alive? The the words on on their own aren't. Um, I mean, they're, f- they're from scripture, they're from other traditions, and so on in the Christian church. But they they're they're uh, enlivened by the Holy Spirit as we say them together. Um, mm-hmm. I had a, a liturgics professor by the name of Aidan Kavanaugh who said one of those, he was a, he was a Benedictine, but he's also a Texan. So he also he had like <laughs> little things he would say, and he he said the liturgy didn't come down out of heaven in a glad bag. In other words, it wasn't just dropped on it; it it, it dropped on us. It yeah. it developed over time, yeah. and and uh, to me that means that the spirit is alive in in the liturgy as we gather in the name of 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 the Holy Trinity. And, and enter into that. So you can make a decision mm. to say, I'm not going there. And then that's true. It probably won't, quote, work on you. But if you mm. really desire to enter in, if you're um, open, if you're teachable, and also the leaders yeah. lead it in such a way that um, it's, it, the Spirit has space to draw people mm. in, I, I think that's, that's really important. That's where it can, it can form us. Uh, but you're right; it's not automatic, and we, you know, so intentionality is a is a big part of that. Um, mm. Yeah, yeah. Um, Bishop Todd, I, I wonder if you w- would have anything to say about this as well, just around like how how what's the difference between um, liturgy that actually forms us, you know, in Christ likeness. And the way that we can sometimes participate in liturgy that that actually doesn't end up forming us, where people end up, you know, sort of cruel and mean. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um, any well, additional thoughts core, about that? Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, my core thought would be um, exactly what uh, Jay said. In fact, when you asked the question, I wrote down the word intentionality, and then mm. Jay started talking about it. So mm. maybe I just add to that a little bit the notion of being truly present. Mm -hmm. Like Mm -hmm. one of the things that's been interesting for me during COVID uh, up to today is not traveling the way I used to, which means I've been going to church a lot, you Mm -hmm. know, where usually I'm leading church, but I've been going to church way more than ever. And I notice even myself that uh, a part of intentionality is the discipline of making yourself present. Um, So I think that would add to what Jay was saying. And then the other thing is I always think of, uh, James K. Smith and the notion of our desires, and Jay used that word too. Mm-hmm. Like, do I really desire to praise mm-hmm. God from whom, mm-hmm. you know, all yeah. good things come? Mm-hmm. Now, maybe you don't on a given day, um, but the liturgy helps you if you want it to. So now yeah. that yeah. cluster of words of intentionality, being present, desire, what do we want? Um, those uh, those sorts of things I, I think are... Yeah. Are really important. When I knew we were doing this today, I thought, okay, I got to get, you know, obviously my head in the game here. Mm-hmm. And um, well, it's not even really a plug anymore because this book's 10 or 11 years old. But um, in 2010, I think it was, I wrote this book, Giving Church Another Chance. Mm-hmm. 
And very similar to Jay, I didn't come out of a Baptistic background, but I did come out of a Calvary Chapel, exegetical preaching, mm-hmm. charismatic vineyard world that would have been way more adjacent to what Jay grew up in than the Anglican world, right. uh, even though not similar. So I wrote this book really for people who are kind of nuns and duns and burned out with church and trying to give them a vision for mm. another way of doing church. And so in this book, what I try to do is say, here are the uh, both evangelistic in the broadest sense of the term and formational um, potentiality in liturgy. So I do things like, um, you know, how to move from going to church to being sent for the sake of others, how to go from mere scripture reading to hearing the outline of my story, how to go from merely hearing sermons to taking on the easy uh, yoke life of obedience. So I actually walk through the big parts of a, of a liturgical service um, trying to show how how they can be um, formational. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One of the interesting things, Jay, I'd love to hear you talk about because I think you are more advanced practically in these things than I am. Uh, at the time I was writing this book and becoming an Anglican, I was teaching at a, a local university in Southern California called Vanguard University. So I, I every semester I taught a class on evangelism and I taught a class on um, spiritual formation. And I would make those classes come to church at least once a semester, or they could get extra credit for coming more, and I'd have them write reflections. And I remember one time in class uh, hosting a conversation about this, and this one girl saying with, she wasn't being a smart aleck, I could just look in her eye and tell she was, like, she was being completely honest, when she, but she looked at me and said, Todd, I just don't see why we would pray other people's words. Like, shouldn't we be praying our own sort of heartfelt words? Why are we praying these prescribed prayers? Like, aren't they by definition something other than heartfelt? Mm -hmm. And, you know, I gave her my my best answer, but I'm sure you've had to answer that over the years. I mean, what would you say about that, Jay? (laughs) Well, we're all learners here. I'm not not further along in that. Um, No, I think it's I think it's a journey here with uh, with liturgy. I I understand the initial pushback people have uh, when people come to Redeemer. Uh, maybe they're just curious or they're with friends or something. Um, we don't we don't talk a lot about quote liturgy. And to be honest with you, I don't teach on it that much. I I really try to create, and our leaders do create a space in which people can enter in, bring their mm-hmm. own prayers alongside the the mm-hmm. prayers that are that are printed and begin to see life begin to see life in them uh, sometimes mm-hmm. people will say well I don't um, you know you guys are that you you do uh, liturgy I don't want any of that dead ritual I said I don't want dead yeah. ritual either you know yeah. uh, I want living ritual and um, mm. people go what and they scratch their heads and, but uh, over time I think people can learn to step into that space that maybe they yeah. can't initially but if they see others doing it and there's a, and there's and the leaders give invitation to that um, one of the things I hear yeah. I'm just going to out it right here is sometimes uh, when I visit other churches I hear people lead liturgy in a way in which they don't do anything else right so they they welcome people it's warm I mean it's kind of spontaneous extemp and then they go to the liturgy and it's stiff and it's mm. kind of off-putting and uh, there's no sort of uh, dramatic you know energy to it there's no silences and i think that's that can drive people off too if it's like oh well mm. you know the way it's being yeah. led um it, it 
feels like it's not really alive. And I think as leaders, as pastors and those who lead liturgies, uh, we we need to live. We need to lead it as if it's our as if it is our words, because they are our yeah. words, yeah. you know. And yeah. and um, to have people not know sometimes when I'm praying the prayers of the people or when I'm praying a pastoral prayer for others in the congregation that I'm praying, you know, the spirits leading us. That's that's great, right? They don't. It's like we shift from one to. It's all of a whole. Mm-hmm. So I think that's part of that answer of of how how we're formed. Yeah, and I think you're right, Jay. There's a there's a maturity that comes with this. Um, I don't mean that in an elite way. Mm-hmm. What do I mean? Well, it just hit me even driving to work this morning. I was doing as I usually do, uh, listening to praise you or, you know, working with praise you go, and and I remember this morning doing what you just said. Something was said on Praise You Go, and I added silently, of course, my own heart words Mm -hmm. to what was being said. But I've got years of practice in that now where, you know, there are spaces between each word in the liturgy, right? And like rests and music, there are spaces between the lines. And I I just am trying to create a mental image of um, liturgy doesn't have to take up all the oxygen um, out of the room of your heart or your mind. It, could, it can actually foment your own heart and your mm. own mind. Mm. But you have to learn that that's true. And like yeah. you say, you can only learn that through practice. Yeah. Yeah, I think that that's really important. I'm, I'm just thinking about, the, you know, in, even in our local church, how we train people to lead liturgy, mm-hmm. lead liturgically, right? It's, it's, you know, it's not like if you can read, well, you can lead liturgy. Like there's more to yeah. it, right? There's, there's yeah. the, the leader has to... Uh, use these words uh, to embody like communal prayer. Um, and so there has to be this, and I think this comes back to um, what you both have been talking about with intentionality, with presence, as you said, Bishop mm-hmm, Todd. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm thinking of the the phrase that Simon Chan uses in his liturgical theology, which was the book for me was my, kind of my gateway drug into <laughs> to all things liturgical. <laughs> Um, but he he talks about this as like active participation. There has yeah. to be this connection and presence that we have with the words of the liturgy and allowing those words to 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 connect us with God and to what what's being prayed here. And so we sometimes talk in our church about the difference between just saying the liturgy and praying the liturgy. Mm-hmm. Um, that there's a there's a difference in terms of being able to embody this um, as a prayer, mm-hmm. which I think enables some of the back and forth you talked about, Jay, between like extemporaneous things that are coming out of my heart versus things that are given to me from, you know, the, from the tradition. Yeah. And, and I think Pentecostals are actually better Anglicans than Baptists yeah. are. <laughs> yeah. And I, no, I, and I, I, I can I, say, I, that, say, well, say that as a Baptist kid, uh, only because they, there is this sort of anticipation of the living spirit being present. And yeah. um, so, mm-hmm. even though they may they may, may push back on the fact it's printed, when they, if they get past that, then I think it's you know it's like oh yeah this this is alive this is uh, this is yeah, we, we can enter into this yeah 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 if you take just the tiniest snippet of of um, liturgy from the Eucharistic prayers, um, Christ has died, Christ is risen, Christ will come again. That's a very small bit of liturgy. But as Jay's been saying, if we intend it, that can be radically orienting. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know when this episode will drop, Ben, but on the week that we're recording it, 
I can't be the only one who sees images out of Afghanistan or yeah. Haiti mm-hmm. and just die a little bit inside. I don't yeah. know how else yeah. to put it. Yeah. Um, you know, you you die in sympathy a little bit. You die in a little bit of um, impotence. Like, I don't know how to fix this. How do I even participate in fixing it, et cetera. But then you go to church and you remember that whatever's happening in human history is happening under this larger rubric that Christ has died, um, Christ is risen, and and Christ will come again. And there's many things like that Mm -hmm. in the liturgy Mm -hmm. that I think, um, they don't divorce us from reality. I think they bring us to a place where we can deal with life's realities, Mm -hmm. which aren't all Afghanistan and aren't all Haiti. It can be a warm note from a friend that you Mm -hmm. thought was lost Mm -hmm. to you. And he or she reaches out to you and realize, oh, there's hope for this friendship again. Well, again, all of this happens, you know, under this meta narrative that the liturgy tells us every week in mm-hmm. lots of different ways. Yeah. Yeah. I was thinking about uh, the beginning of the Eucharistic prayer as well, you know, where, you know, lift up your hearts. Yeah. And, uh, and then mm-hmm. that, that next phrase can be either just some, some words that I say. Or mm-hmm. I can, as I say, we lift them to the Lord. I can right. be lifting my heart to the Lord. Mm-hmm. There has to be right. some sort of connection mm-hmm. there to say, okay, this is the time when, you know, I lift, I offer, you know, all that yeah, I yeah, am yeah. Uh, to the Lord. Well, Paul says, you know, set your hearts on things above. And that's yeah. really, yeah. It's, it's a way to live the scripture in that moment. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Well, good. Um, I, I wonder if maybe we can end here. Um, just with a personal question, Jay. Um, how have you seen the formational power of liturgy in your own life? What has changed for you since you began this journey? I know mm-hmm. you talked a little bit about how your theology has changed earlier, but yeah. what, what else has changed for you? How have you seen the liturgy be formative in your life? Uh, one way is that uh, the liturgy gives me prayers to pray when I can't pray. And... Mm. Um, which I hate to say is more often than I would like. And yeah. it's, you know, without that, I don't know where, what, would be, what would be happening. And actually, I started to use a Book of Common Prayer when I was still in the Assemblies of God. And so, um, mm. I, you know, people thought I was a little weird, and they're like, he's going to end up as a priest. I'm like, oh, well, okay. <laughs> <I guess. laughs> um, but, um, but truly, that, you know, that's one of the things that has uh, shaped me, is that really it, it, gives, it helps me in that way. Also, it really mm. gives, it gives a framework to my, to my uh, life. This isn't particularly... Uh, liturgy, but it is related to it because we haven't even talked about the Christian year or the lectionary. But they're all they all kind of fit. And I live my life now not by Hallmark, you know. I don't. I'm not. I'm not Christmas and Easter. I'm more than that now. I mean, the way I live my life, the way our family enters into that, um, and I really do think about those things. I you know I think about oh today is the day we remember Thomas Cramer. You know, I mean, I use kind of a, a, a you know a daily office, and we haven't even talked about that, and we don't need to do that. But you know, that it's um, so for me, it, it orients my life into the larger story of yes. of God's family over time. It's not just mm-hmm. my time; it's not just my brief life, which life gets briefer and briefer. Uh, yeah. It's it's the hundreds of years, thousands of years, the faithfulness of God, and uh, so. I'm really, I'm really grateful for that. I can tell you, like, so um, 
with the passing of my mother, she had dementia. My we lost my dad 15 months ago. It's been a you know, but wow. I've been able to enter into the riches of the liturgy, the prayer book, hmm. um, as it relates to. I mean, those prayers of of the burial are amazing. You know that we're yeah, returning. Yeah. We're you know we're commending the person to God, the, the you know sheep of God's own flock, you know, center of His own redeeming. Um, I wouldn't have known necessarily to pray that uh, without yeah. without that help. Yeah, I resonate with that so much, Jay. I, you know, you've you talked about burying your mother. Um, I before I was an Anglican, I also took great comfort in um, a lot of the prayers, you know, in the the burial service and the funeral mm-hmm. uh, service mm-hmm. in the in the Book of Common Prayer. My dad died when I was twenty five, mm-hmm. suddenly, and it and I didn't know what else to do, but I had this book of common prayer on the shelf. So I just flipped to the, you know, I flipped to those prayers and those scriptures. And I was like, Oh, this is exactly what I need to be reading and praying right now mm-hmm. is these things. Um, and one of the churches, um, that I, um, planted the first church that I planted, we had a baby die, mm-hmm. um, like mm-hmm. in the first baby of this couple and the baby died. And it was just like, you know, <laughs> I'm a young pastor. I'm like, what do I, mm-hmm. you know, what do I do? And it was so comforting to me to have this, and we just did the cert. We just did the service out of yeah, the prayer book, yeah. and it was exactly what was needed. Um, it helped me to know exactly what I needed to be prayed and said and proclaimed yep. uh, at that service. Yeah, you know, the, the prayer book is fascinating in that it it it's it's meant to be to give us the presence and the awareness of God from birth to death. Yeah. You know, to 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 be that through all the moments of our lives, from joy to pain, to struggle, mm-hmm. sorrow, uh, departing. And so on. So I would say it's form. It's forming me still. I'm not formed, but it's forming me yeah. still in the ways that um, I'm thinking about. It, it helps me to to place my life into God, and yeah. into the community of God's people. And so I'm I'm really thankful that um, you know I found I found the way to the place I am anyway. Yeah, yeah. I'm thinking one last thing, Ben. Um, we we touched on this a little bit, Jay, here and there. Um, but I, I wonder um, if maybe your a, a parting word here for you could be, um, as you know, C4SO uh, has a lot of people in it who were, you know, kind of on the Canterbury Trail evangelicals. Hmm. We also have a lot of young clergy. Can you give us just a couple of parting tips, so to speak, who, for people who are just orienting themselves to the liturgy as leaders, yeah. Yeah. how they might lead liturgy well mm-hmm. and and as you say this kingdom um jesus kingdom you know holy spirit yeah. kind of way what what would be some two or three tips for kind of beginners okay well um one is i think as much of it as you can memorize memorize it mm-hmm. um now obviously you're not going to memorize all the liturgy but you know you do you do things consistently you'll be able to, to call those forward. And as you do that, you won't be reading it. You know, that'll seem very fresh and alive uh, to people. And it is, right? So I would say, you know, memorize what you can. Um, secondly, let it be authentic. Don't put on, you know, we're not trying to put on something. I mean, liturgy is a grand drama, but it needs to be, it needs to have authenticity. And um, bring your bring yourself to it. I mean, let yourself be found in it. And then, and then bring that to the people that that you're leading. The other thing I really uh, I try to model this, and I uh, when I mentor, I'm just like, do not be afraid of silence. 
Silence is one of the great gifts of the liturgy, and we're so afraid of, you know, of that sometimes. And we, um, yeah. you know, it's like in broadcasting, we call that dead air. Nobody ever, yeah, nobody, no dead nobody air. ever wanted That's dead right. air. Well, in the church, we, no. we have this living air that is yeah. silent living air and i think that i think that's another thing that i want to in, encourage uh, young leaders in uh take your time give room for silence don't rush and and really pray this and learn to live into it memorize it and uh and have a heart for the people look on the people that you're that you're leading and and serving and say these you know these are these are sheep and and uh this liturgy will help them to grow it will help them to be the people of God, even as I need to be the person of God growing in my own life. Hmm. That's great. I wrote down all those tips. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use them. Um, Jay, this uh, beautifully said and really helpful reflections for us on the formative power yeah, of thank liturgy. You, thank you. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you for asking me. I, I, uh, I really appreciate it. again for listening to this episode of the C4SO podcast. We hope you enjoyed our conversation. Email us your thoughts and suggestions at connect at c4so.org.